Hi, you're listening to the RVC Podcast, a ministry of River Valley Church in Fresno, California. Good morning. Great day to be at church. Glad you guys are with us this morning. We got a great day. Uh, hang out time. Make sure you stick around for that. Go check out some tables and some places that you may uh, uh, want to get plugged in and involved and just get the information about that. Um, but we are glad that you guys are here. You know, yesterday uh, I was with um, um, the Mundy clan, the Mundy family, um, as, uh, as they and we celebrated uh, the life of Kathy, uh, who went to be with Jesus on May 4th. Uh, it was a really beautiful time. So I want to encourage you to continue to pray for them uh, as Luke and his family. Uh, Rachel may be here. Rachel's sister, is she here today? There she is, somewhere. She's putting the baby away. <laughs> Pat, this is dad Pat right there. Uh, of course, you know Sarah and Luke, Patrick and Brittany and, uh, and, and, and Rachel someplace putting the baby away. Hopefully in a little bit better way than you just said that. That, that, sounds, that sounds dangerous and may... Uh, former law enforcement officer. Uh, but man, be praying for them. Uh, it was a beautiful time to just, man, really just grab a hold of reality for us as Christians. The fact that, man, when she took her last breath on this planet, she took her very next in the presence of Almighty God. And uh, as you guys know, she, she battled cancer for a, a better part of a year, a year and a half. Uh, and as we were at this service yesterday, it was just awesome, just a simple gospel message. Uh, was proclaimed at this service, and, uh, and there were several people that responded to the gospel, you know, that her life not only preached the gospel as she lived it, but even in her celebration of life, uh, there are people who found Jesus there, and so I thought, man, what an awesome, awesome uh, uh, time for people to, uh, to hear about the realities of heaven and, uh, and all that Jesus has done for us, so uh, be praying for the Money family. Uh, this morning, we are back in our series, um, Citizens of the Kingdom. Now, we departed from it last week because it was Mother's Day, and what we're talking about right in our next section is murder and angry hearts. And so I thought, you know what? Happy Mother's Day. Welcome all you murderers. We're glad that you are here today. We're in Matthew's Gospel. It's chapter 5. We're looking at verse 21 through 26 today, and we're really kind of wrestling with this concept of, of being people who are free from hate and have hearts that are filled with God's love. Uh, we began this sermon, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus gave this incredible sermon uh, uh, to the disciples. And, of course, there were, there were hundreds, of, if not thousands, that had gathered. There were eavesdropping on this conversation. That he was talking to his disciples about life in his kingdom. The Sermon on the Mount really is about, if Jesus were my king, this is how he's asking me to live. It began with the Beatitudes, these eight uh, situations in life where we find God's favor in our life. Beginning with, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We talked about how we uh, interact with the world around us. We'll face some persecution because of our faith. We'll also be salt and light. And then Jesus, this pivotal section we talked two weeks back uh, in, this er- in this area of, of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about his relationship to the law. And everybody was wondering, is Jesus doing away with the law? And he says, I've not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. And he fulfilled the law on our behalf. And he closed out that section saying, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and scribes, the religious elite, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And that blew everybody away. What Jesus was talking about was not having a righteousness in a greater degree, but a different kind of righteousness. And it's a righteousness that we gain by faith. I asked you to read this passage over with me over that 
week after our, that particular message, Romans uh, chapter 3, verse 20 through 22, where Paul says, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are, but now God shown, has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. That is the righteousness that we receive. Now, <clears throat> as Jesus said, I'm not here to do away with the law. He wants to interpret the law the way God intended it. In fact, he, we, he takes six commands that they tossed around uh, as religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, and they, and they interpreted it in a way that they could keep it. It isn't that the way we are as people. We kind of set these little uh, bars and say like, oh, well, I don't do this. And, and, and that's what they did. They looked at the Ten Commandments. They looked at other commands of the Bible and, and, they, and they interpreted it in a way that they could actually keep it. And Jesus says, let me show you exactly what God meant uh, when he said these commands. In fact, he gives six examples of commands. This morning we're looking at the very first one. And he contrasts how they interpreted it with him. Jesus would say, you have heard it said. In fact, Matthew chapter 5, we should probably read that passage, right? Or no. We should do it. Let's do it. It's verse 21. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser <clears throat> while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison, to, truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. So this was the beginning of six commands that Jesus uh, deals with, giving them this idea of, here's what you've been teaching, but here's what I say, this authority of the Son of God. So long as they didn't murder, or next week commit adultery, or divorce their spouse without giving them a certificate of divorce, for any reason, by the way, that they saw fit, they felt like they were keeping the law. And Jesus exposes this empty righteousness that they had, and many people in this world have, that they took such pride in. But Jesus says, but this is what I say to you. The authority uh, as the Son of God, he interprets exactly how God intended. It will condemn us, by the way, when we read this. That's why I welcome all of you murderers here today, because you understand now you're a murderer. God gives us this interpretation to not only condemn us as under sin, which the law does, but also to direct us. This is God's heart for citizens of the kingdom. That yes, you and I wouldn't literally kill people who we're angry with, but that we also wouldn't move through life with a boiling anger inside that's ready to explode at any, mo at any moment. In the law, those who murdered faced the death penalty. Then Jesus says, if you have a causeless anger, you will still face that same judgment. 
So some lessons that we're going to learn this morning. Actually, we're going to look at two of them. One is this. Number one, God is concerned, as we read this passage and his interpretation of thou shall not murder, God is concerned about our inner attitude as much as our outer actions. What goes on inside your heart, what stews in your mind, is actually as important, if not more, than the physical acts that you do or that you actually withhold from doing. That's what Jesus is talking about here. The Pharisees said that their righteousness was based on performing actions or avoiding actions. But Jesus says it's a matter of heart. In fact, he said, anger is murder at the heart level. To feel enmity, hate, bitter feelings, resentment, in God's sight, it's equal to murder. Isn't that crazy? When we get offended, someone overlooks us, people use us, your kid didn't get enough time uh, pitching or whatever else that we as parents feel like our little messiahs are worthy of in our world. It's baseball season, right? Have you ever gotten just, you just like, in fact, you know, it's kind of rough actually teaching this this week because I'd realize how angry I get over the dumbest things. You guys ever remember that, uh, the, that, that Academy Award uh, winning performance that Will Ferrell gave uh, in Kicking and Screaming? Nobody saw that? I think we might have a clip of it right I'm here. I'm angry. I'm, I'm spitting angry. I'm like a tornado of anger swirling about. My heart rate is dangerously high right now. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how it goes, right? You have a, I'm a tornado of anger right? swirling about over the dumbest things. Of course, there's, you know, a righteous anger that we would have. You see uh, wrongs that are done in our society. But what you do with that anger is important. You don't stay in that angry state. In fact, the very things that you and I get righteously angry over, God in his word calls you and I to forgive. Here Jesus is saying, guys, your inner attitude, what goes on right here at the depths of the core of your being is as important, if not more, than what you do on the outside or what you don't do on the outside. Anger, by the way, it really never produces anything good in our lives. You think about those moments that you were angry. Can you think of anything good that happened? In the book of Proverbs 29, uh, verse 22, Solomon says, An angry person starts fights. A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. Can you think of someone that describes right now? Pull your phone out right now, and I want you to text them. No, don't do that. Maybe you work with somebody like that. This is why Paul calls us in his word to do the very thing that Jesus is after, to root out that angry heart. When Paul said in Colossians 3.8, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Anger, anger is our, deep, our default setting, isn't it? We just get angry at stuff. It's easy. That's the easy part of life, to do what comes natural. What Jesus is asking is miraculous. What he's asking us to have is a loving heart that seeks to be reconciled with those that we're at odds with. That is a miracle that only happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus brings this up, this causeless anger. He says, you're liable to the judgment. It means a settled anger, malice that is nursed inwardly. And then it begins to show up on the outside. And it usually happens with all of us, as Jesus said, with words. Words that you and I speak at other people uh, are this anger inside. It brings us a, des a desire within us to destroy another person. Literally, that's what happens when you murder somebody. But we do it in, in verbal form and we murder their character. 
We want to bring them pain. We want them to suffer. And it begins with words. Jesus talked about insulting somebody. Literally, it would read to call them an idiot or an empty-headed person. I love the King James Version uh, calls it, if any of you says raka to his brother, not like rock on, you know, but raka. It's like this word that means an airhead, a nimwit, a brainless idiot. Or then even you fool. He says you'll be liable and deserve the very fires of hell. This is a serious issue about uh, up, uh, uprooting this murderous hearts that we have. John tells us in 1 John 3, 14 and 15, if we love our brothers and sisters, we are believers, or who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that no murderers have, do have, or that murderers don't have eternal life within them. How many murders are you and I guilty of this last week? This last year? You think about that. Critical words, slanderous words, demeaning somebody else's character in the eyes of others. That's what murder does with our hateful words. James tells us in chapter 1, verse 20, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Think about those moments. Those of you who are parenting right now, you know, those little kids, and I've shared stories with you how my wife just flew off the handle when she got upset. I, we had this conversation with my three boys uh, recently about how mad I got because they spilled water in the garage on our cement floor in the garage. They said, Dad, you flew in like, a, a, like a, just a tornado of anger. <laughs> I flew in, man, and I just, what kid looks the guiltiest? And, you know, I, I, uh, it, was, you know it was capital punishment in our home, uh, you know, and so I give them a little spanking. And, uh, and then I realized about, I don't know, it's about 11 years, I guess, uh, later, that it was the two older boys that actually created the drama and created the mess. Kate and I are going to have a chat this afternoon. If you see him, let him know, Dad, sorry. <laughs> and, and, I, and, I, and I just think back, you know, I mean, we can have all our excuses, like, oh, we're stressed out time or whatever. Man, you just can't get those moments back. Those moments you blow up, you yell at somebody, you light up their phone, you know, on, on a text message. Uh, it's, just, it's just not the way a child of God is supposed to walk. And it's not fun to have that kind of angry heart, is it? To just walk around life looking for a fight. What are the reasons we get angry? Scripture will confirm the reality. We get jealous of other people. The first murder in the Bible, Cain killed his brother Abel because his brother had honored God and Cain did not honor God, and it made him mad that God's favor was resting upon his life. You know, in the Bible, uh, we see all kinds of opportunities just like that. We get jealous, we get envious, we get angry. We feel like we got a raw deal in life. And you almost feel like that, you, you know, you got, like, you got to stand up for yourself. You got a little chip on your shoulder. Your ego gets hurt. How do you react when you get wronged or you feel slighted? Do we fly off the handle in a fit of rage and anger? This is what God meant. When he said, thou shall not murder. Now just because we've murdered someone in our hearts does not mean we should just go through with the rest of it, right? <laughs> There's a difference between sinful thoughts and intentions in our heart and actual sinful actions. The consequences of sinful deeds are much greater than just having them in our heart. 
But nonetheless, it destroys us. It imprisons us just as if we were to commit murder and be locked up in prison for a very long time. It's what we're supposed to do is call it what it is. It's sin. It's not being Italian. It's not being Norwegian. It's not being whatever your little excuse is. Well, the reason why I get so hot-tempered is because of, you know, whatever it is. I'm a Dodger fan. Whatever. (laughs) We feel bad for you. We have prayer available uh, both uh, sides of the room today. We get confronted with that kind of truth. You know, so we read through, we actually are, we're shortening uh, or we're actually lengthening this series so that we could actually unpack stuff like this because I could read through this passage so many times and go, don't murder somebody, check. Don't hate them that bad that you're almost about to murder them, check. But really this just becomes this issue of like, do I have any room in my heart for love? Do I have any room in my heart uh, for Jesus to, to move where I would be moved to reconcile with people? We get confronted with that truth. Jesus wants to root it out of us. And he wants to, the things that keep us, by the way, from experiencing the life, that abundant life that Jesus came to give us. It really shows us, by the way, how deep our sinful hearts really run, as well as God's heart for the citizen of the kingdom and to be more like him, to have a life that is filled with love and that isn't filled with hate. When we follow Jesus, here's what happens. If you're really, truly a citizen of the kingdom, you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, you've got to wrestle with hard stuff. He wants to change you and I at the core level. This is the difference between what the Pharisees had, which was an, an external religion that was almost like, you know, like, oh, it's going to, uh, you know, I'm going to not do this. On the outside, eventually it will creep in my heart. Jesus says it's the opposite. I want to work on your heart and it will begin to show up on the outside of your life. He wants you and I to be free from anger. You know, the things, by the way, that I got angry at this week are the very things that I'm guilty of doing to other people. Did you get mad on the freeway? I, I, yesterday, Tammy and I were driving down to Lemoore, and, uh, and uh, that didn't make me angry, but I was just driving. Oh, yeah, I cut off Daniel, our drummer, and Hannah. <laughs> Stupid idiots were driving so slow. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You know, so I like, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of the lane because guy over here is going slow. Person over here is driving me nuts. I'm like, couldn't go in the middle. Uh, guy over here starts cutting me off. I honk. I say, Raka to him. And uh, I, I like pull out in front of somebody last week, creep over in their lane. They honk at you. I, I usually act like I just saw an angel or something. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's like an angel out there. I'm so sorry. My bad. My bad. I see things. All the things you get mad at at work this week, your children, your spouse, your friends, your neighbors, you are guilty of every single thing to some degree of what you and I get mad at. So what's the point? It keeps us from so much. Why do we get so offended? Jesus says, I want to root out murderous hearts, ones that desire revenge, uh, a heart that allows Anger to smolder inside and explode, explode like a volcano when it gets provoked. And he says, guys, call it what it is. I'm concerned your inner attitude as much as your outer actions. Here's the second lesson we learn. Number two is this. We learn that Jesus calls us to a lifestyle of both asking for and extending forgiveness. 
You see, this is the direction out. And by the way, the Sermon on the Mount is not like an extended law. These are principles that Jesus teaches here. We're not literally supposed to leave our gift at the altar or leave right now and go out to your car and call somebody and say, hey, will you and I have a problem? Uh, I want to get back inside. I really like that new song. Do it again. So are we good? Okay, that's not what Jesus is talking about. This isn't more little laws. These are principles. And the principle is you and I are supposed to be people like Jesus that forgive and forgive and forgive And don't allow hate and bitterness and resentment and angry thoughts to stay there. They have to be moved out of the way. In a sense, Jesus is saying the way to a closer walk with God is to be right with your brothers and sisters, with each other, to walk in love. The attitude is positive. It's not just what we avoid, by the way. God's word has a lot of positive things that you and I are supposed to uh, put into our lives. It's not don't just murder, but forgive and be reconciled with people and let that be a lifestyle of yours. It's not just avoid sin, Jesus told us earlier, to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to put something in your life that's moving you in a direction to know Jesus in a deeper way. It's not that we don't murder or harbor hate, but we take steps to be right with people That's the way, by the way, we are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. It's not that we just don't take a hammer and hit somebody in the head or say mean things about them or guard our lips. The citizen of heaven is no longer being controlled by anger and seeks to be reconciled with people, to be right with people, to be loving towards people, to be at peace with people. When we're wronged, we choose to forgive. And when you offend another person, you ask for forgiveness You're quick to repent and ask for forgiveness. You know, in geometry, we learned that uh, the the quickest way between two points is a straight line. It's as if in in the uh, sort of the math equation of God's word, we think if God is here and I am here, the quickest direction to him is a straight line. But it's actually the opposite. It's actually the, the, the quickest way to God, according to what Jesus is talking about, is in the direction of your offended brother the person that has an issue with you right now, the person that you and I are at odds with in our lives. We have a new life, and it's supposed to be fleshed out, this new citizen of the kingdom living, by getting right with people who we're at odds with. Paul says in Romans 12, 18, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Are there some people we cannot live at peace with? Yes, there's all kinds of idiots in this world, right? There's some people that don't want to be reconciled with you. And there's nothing that you can do about that. But what you can do is obey what your Savior is asking you to do. To establish a heart that moves hate and anger out of the way and deals with it when it pops up. By the way, we're going to have angry thoughts on a daily basis, but we have to make a decision. We're going to move that out. We're going to get it out of the way. And we seek to be reconciled with people. This is an upside-down kingdom, isn't it? All the things Jesus asked us to do, so opposite of what we feel like we want to do. Religion, church activity, by the way, and even worshiping God before an altar, it cannot cover our sinful attitudes that Jesus wants to root out of our lives. We can't avoid kingdom kind of stuff. We avoid dealing with jealousy and bitter feelings And it's not right. The entire time, by the way, when we're singing, do it again, or the king of my heart, Jesus is saying, I want you to go deeper with me and I want you to deal with the stuff in your life. And this passage says, deal with anger. 
deal with your angry hearts, and seek to have a lifestyle of both extending, offering forgiveness, and asking for it in your life. The context, I think, that we could all understand as being you know, siblings with our brothers and sisters and having a heavenly parent is, you know, Mother's Day. Mother's Day last week. A lot of you mothers got uh, beautiful cards, handmade cards from your kids, right? And, and can you imagine you got one little kid is like, um, Mom, you're so great. I love you. You're the best. Thanks for all that you do. But you, that, that kid's like a, a little angry, you know what I mean? And just mean to his siblings. And you're just like, you know what? Even if this card has a $200 gift card from Lululemon, I would rather you go say you're sorry to your brother and stop being a little jack wagon in our household. I would, I mean, I mean 200, that's right, you get a headband at Lululemon. <laughs> Maybe some socks. Little cute little bag they give you for free. Like, I'd give all that up if you would just get along. Nothing worse than having a house that's filled with turmoil because you, you've got prideful little kids that just can't seem to get along. The best thing that you could ever see uh, as a parent is, is, man, your kids love each other. They, they, you know, their, their wrestling is fun, you know, uh, and they serve each other and they sacrifice for each other. Those are those moments that you go, man, this is a great family. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. What happens when we have angry hearts is that we get robbed of closeness with Jesus. That fellowship that we have with him, it doesn't put us behind bars as little or murder will do, but it certainly shackles up our hearts. It's so important that Jesus said, I would rather you put me off, leave me hanging in worship to go get right with your, your brother or your sister. The principle is that you and I see this as urgent and the issue is love. And, and because we're, this is a kingdom that's built on love, it's not conducive to be uh, a person filled with hate, as John said. In fact, it's not, even, it's not even possible for you to have hate in your heart and to still be a living child of God. So you deal with it. To live with unresolved anger is destructive. It makes you a prisoner instead of living in the freedom that Christ provides us through his forgiveness and the reconciliation that we have with him, as well as our brothers and sisters. It interrupts our walk with God, really is the issue. So deal with it. You face it for what it is. Lord, we want to know you. We want to know what you desire, we would pray. We, but we need your power and your direction to go in a different direction. A citizen of the kingdom has learned of Jesus, and what we learn from Jesus as he's always forgiving. You read through the Gospels and you see these moments. You're just like, if you had access to lightning, wouldn't you use it when you see some of the things that Jesus faced and the way they talked to him? They called him a, a bastard. I didn't just cuss in church. That's in the King James. Like, we know who our father is, but you're, because the, 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 the rumors were is that Mary had, you know, some little fling and that that's why she got pregnant. The story of virgin birth, sure, whatever. That's a moment that you just be like, you know what? You can't talk about my mom like that. <laughs> you know, that's when you might like roll up your sleeves and go, oh, I have, I have lightning as access, right? <sighs> he forgave. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do as they were pounding a, a, a nail through his wrist into that piece of wood. 
Jesus says, man, stop singing a song to me and go be reconciled to your brother and your sister. It's urgent. Deal with it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Paul's just like, you know what? I don't have enough room. You know what you do. Stop it all. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. A citizen of the kingdom you know, one of the things we do with our anger is we use it to get stuff done. Like, well, until I fly off the handle, my kids won't do something. Well, try another way. Try a different way. To rid your heart of anger, to be filled with love and God's peace. You get matters settled fast. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said, if you're, uh, you know, if, this, if you got to go to court, by the way, back in the day, if you were going to be, if, uh, if you were the defendant and there was a plaintiff, he had to go find you on the road, take you before the, the judge. Wouldn't that be great? You know, it's like, oh, couldn't find me again. Uh, the, you know, he'd take you. And on the way, Jesus says, make it right, apologize, do what you need to do, or you're going to be in a debtor's prison. It was over some financial matter. But the idea was that it's urgent. You got to deal with it. And what happens is you get locked up in Jesus's analogy that's exactly what happens. You ever had a situation where you could have just put it to rest very quickly? Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with a child. Maybe it's with a friend. Or maybe it's a church person. Just somebody at work. And you just, and you go, you know what? The original issue wasn't that big. What are we even fighting over anyways? Well, you wanted to go to Burger King, remember? And I wanted to go to Taco Bell. Whatever it is we fight over, you know, stupid things. And then it just starts getting into just bigger, bigger issue. That's what he's talking about. You let this thing go on, and it's only going to get bigger. He says, deal with it. Practice a lifestyle of both extending forgiveness and asking for forgiveness. Get matters settled fast. The longer we wait, the more mess comes, the more bondage of hate comes. So you face it, he says, confess it on the way, on your journey on this earth, is how we might read that on the way to the judge. Jesus deals with one command and he exposes us. Guilty. We have angry hearts. And we see that he desires that we be free from hate and filled with love. Can I encourage you this week to learn to let things go? Let things go. Find out how angry you really are this, today after service. And something's going to torque you off. It did me all week. I did not realize how angry I really am as a person. I was just like, man, let it go. Yeah, he came in your lane 30 minutes ago, and you're still stewing over it. I brought it up in church. <laughs> you're like, Gordon, let it go. You go, I need to break up with anger. It's like, we, we can't, we can't, we, it's not you, it's me. We need to break up. We, we can't, I can't carry you through my life any longer. You know how much damage it's doing, by the way, right? To your family, to your friends, to your relationships. It's a bad place to be. And learn to forgive others. You know, when we lay in bed at night, we don't evaluate our day based on like, well, did I commit adultery today? No, okay, that's good. Uh, did I murder anybody today? 
No? Okay, I guess I'm doing all right. You are, by the way. Congratulations. That's a great way to finish out your day. <laughs> Wouldn't it be better? I think what the principle is, is that it would be better that we would evaluate our day and say, Lord, did I, did I have any thoughts that offended you today? Did I have any area of my heart that uh, dishonors you? Do I have any attitudes towards others that don't reflect your kingdom of love? See, that's what Jesus is getting at. And it both condemns us because we know the reality. We have lots of attitudes in our heart that are wrong and offensive to God, murderous. But it also gives us direction. We don't just say, well, thank God for his forgiveness. I'm just going to be an angry person the rest of my life. No, he says, deal with it. Deal with it. You see what he's after. The kind of life that reflects him to the world. Try it this week. See how many times you get angry over a causeless situation and allow anger to, to, to sort of stay and take up residence in your heart. Jesus says, guys, here's the direction I want you to go in. Become people who have hearts that are filled with love and not hate. It exposes our need for a Savior, doesn't it? Because we all fall short. When you read the law, by the way, if you think this morning that you're going to be able to stand before God one day and he said, why should I let you into my kingdom? You say, well, because I didn't murder anybody and I didn't commit adultery and I, and I kept the Ten Commands. What you realize is that the intent of the Ten Commands says you've broken all of them. You've broken all of God's commands. And his law, including in the Sermon on the Mount, it says to us, guys, you need a Savior because you'll never be perfect. In fact, he closes out this chapter, be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. What's well, impossible? So today we say, God, thank you for your grace, right? Even as Jesse sang just a few moments ago as our team was up here leading us. Man, God's grace, it, it covers all of our sin. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so thankful that his grace washes all my sins away. Aren't you this morning? But maybe today you sit here and you're like, you know what? I don't have a relationship with God. I'm basing my thought of when I die and spend eternity with God or spend, you know, that few seconds in his presence that I'm going to get there and I'm going to stay in heaven because I have tried to keep his law the best I can. Here's what the Bible tells us. You're guilty. We've all broken his commands. We all need a savior. Here's what we know is that Jesus came 2,000 years ago to be a savior for us so that we could have our sins forgiven and begin a relationship with him that's by faith. Even as I read in Romans chapter 3, we get a righteousness that comes to anyone who believes and it comes to us by faith. What you need to know this morning is that God loves each and every one of you today. And he wants you to, to live a life that is uh, having a heart that's filled with love and not hate. But it has to begin with you having a relationship with him. It has to begin with you actually surrendering your heart to him for you to know that God loves you and he died for you, but you've got to make a decision to allow him into your life and ask him to come into your heart and to forgive your sins. Revelation 3.20 tells us, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will dine with him or her. It was this, it was this picture of, of fellowshipping with Jesus, but you've got to be the one to open up the door of your heart. You've got to be the one to call upon him as Savior and Lord. You know, there's no grandchildren in heaven. What do I mean by that? You don't get to go there because your grandma was a good Christian and served the Lord. There's only children. God has only children. But you've got to make a decision to become one of his children by surrendering your heart to him. 
We talk about realizing our need for a Savior, the fact that we've broken His commands and we're a sinner. We recognize that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and we choose today to say, God, I'm going to turn from my sin, and I'm going to accept you into my life and ask you to be my Savior and my Lord. You know, we're going to pray in a moment. Our team's going to come and lead us in song, and we're going to uh, give you some direction on what's going on outside. But there's a couple things I want to do this morning. I want to encourage you, number one, is if you need prayer today, we're going to have prayer available on both sides of this room as we do every Sunday. It might be an issue you've got with somebody that you need to seek reconciliation. It might be for some other thing going on in your life. You might have a job interview this week. We want to be in prayer for you. The other thing is this, is that maybe today's a day that you need to surrender your heart. You know in the, in the depths of your heart, you don't have assurance that you're saved today. Man, we want to give you that opportunity to, to surrender your heart to him. I can't think of any reason why you would reject the offer of salvation. In fact, I would encourage you to not put that kind of a decision off because we have no promise of tomorrow. Today's the day of salvation, the Bible says. Now is the time that you would surrender your heart if you want Christ to come in and make you a new person and have forgiveness. Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you for your grace. Lord, thank you for your word that gives us not only uh, the, the reality, God, of the situation. Lord, we have all offended you. We have all broken your commands. Though we may not be murderers literally here this morning, each and every one of us is a murderer at heart. And so, Lord, we say thank you for your grace, your blood, Jesus, that you shed on the cross to cover our sin. Lord, thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that you promise every believer to go and to live this new life. To live in such a way where hate and anger is being moved to the side. In fact, being rooted out of our hearts and our lives. And each and every day becoming a person who is more and more filled with your love. More and more filled with mercy to our brothers and sisters here in this world. And so, Lord, would you give us that power? Lord, some of us have some phone calls to make. Some of us have a, a meeting to set up. Some of us have a tough conversation tomorrow at work. Would you empower us to really live out the gospel? And not to say amen here this morning, but, Lord, to say amen with our living and how we do life. So, God, root out the anger. Root out the bitterness. Root out the resentment in our hearts. And Lord, I also pray for those who don't know you today. God, there might be one person here this morning that you are knocking on the door of their heart. Today is a day, God, you're calling them to be a part of your kingdom. You want to forgive them. You want to make them new this morning. You want to give them eternal life. Lord, would you speak to them today about your awesome love for them, God, and their desperate need for you as Savior and Lord. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you've joined us this morning and and today you say, hey, Gordon, would you pray for me? Today I'm ready to surrender my heart to the Lord. I want you to acknowledge that by lifting up your hand, hold it in place, and you and I are going to tell God together what you want him to do in your life. Is there anybody here this morning? Today you're ready to surrender your heart. You want your sins forgiven. You want to begin a relationship with God today by faith. Lift your hand this morning. God bless you. Anybody else this morning? Today you want to surrender your heart to the Lord. You want your sins forgiven. Anybody else in this closing moment? You want ready to surrender. Ready to have your life changed. Man, he loves you. Anybody else? Listen, for those of you that just acknowledge right now that you're ready to surrender your heart to the Lord, I'm going to pray a prayer 
I'm going to pray something out loud. You pray something like this in your heart. And you tell God right now what you want him to do in your life. Pray after me now, dear Lord Jesus. Lord, today I admit to you that I'm a sinner. And today I ask for your forgiveness. Lord, I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose from the dead. I trust you. I choose to follow you as my Lord and Savior. Lord, guide my life and help me to do your will. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you that I have the promise and the hope of heaven because of what you've done for me. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, for those of you that just prayed with us, first of all, I just want to say welcome to God's kingdom. Yeah, he loves you so much. I want to get you some stuff that will help you grow. And so please let us know on that connection card you received this morning that, you, uh, that today you received Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Let's all stand together. I want to encourage you, if you need prayer to go to those sides, let's worship.